Can you believe that Kingdom of Ashes out in only four days? Four days? That is insane. I can't, I can't wait. It's just, it's gonna be, in, it's gonna be the best ending to a series. Yeah. Do you guys feel really like super invested in this? Because we've yeah. read the book in quite a short amount of time. <laughs> That's true, we yeah. did. And this is the first book series that you waited with Auntie for. Yes. You know, you've never really waited for no. a book to come out. And it's just the anticipation just makes it so much more. You just get so much more invested into yeah. it. It's amazing. To be honest, I'm really excited for this. Well, it leads us into quite nicely what we're doing here. Uh, my name's James. I'm Vedanti. I'm Lekika. And uh, we saw online all of the hype about the Throne of Glass book series. Um, and so we decided to read all of the books and to talk about them on a little podcast. Yeah. Um, so each episode, we are going to be talking about a different book in the Throne of Glass series. Um, the series being uh, by Sarah J. Mass. And the last book, as we just said, Kingdom of Ash, is out on the 23rd of October. Um, so, you know, we wanted to find out what the fuss is about. Exactly. Here we are, we're in a little book club. Yeah. Who knew? And so the books are published by Bloomsbury, which is super exciting. And you guys can follow them on Twitter at Bloomsbury Books for the latest updates on not only this series, but all other series that they publish as well. And so this week we are on book number four, which is called Queen of Shadows. It's a big read. It is yes. a big read. It's, it's a big over 600 pages. So read. you got through it, guys. Well done. It is a good read as well. So just to read you guys the blurb of the book, it says, Selena Sardothian is cloaked in her assassin's hood once more. She is back in Rifthole, but this time she is no one's slave. She must delve into her most painful memories and fight for her survival while resisting a smoldering passion that may very well consume her heart. And she will face her former master, the King of Assassins again, to wreak revenge for a decade of pain. All these, all these blurbs are insanely yeah. good. But yeah, this this is an exciting book. It's it's big because it covers just a lot of things. A lot of things, yeah. And we get to meet Arabin Hamel in this book, who is her master. We get to meet aliens previous let's say acquaintances and one of them is Lysandra right yes. so Aileen and Lysandra they used to be enemies and now they're slowly becoming friends and it's just it's it's a good change in their relationship of course you know and it's just really interesting to see them overcome issues they've had in the past and when you read the book you start to see what kind of issues they had and you know how they know each other and just how do you think they've overcome issues that they you know had well i feel like when they were like not really friends they didn't realize how much they have in common and it just shows that just because you were enemies it doesn't mean like you can't overcome everything that's happened and become friends and it's the way they overcome their pasts they talk and they realize about everything that happens and um how like they can support each other instead of like Tearing each other yeah, down. Yeah, no. And then that brings me to the second point, you know, how important and is it important to show girls supporting other girls in young adult literature? And I feel like 
girl friendships can get really toxic really easily and I say this from experience because of just a massive variety of reasons and it's books like this who show that you can get past that toxic toxic say it for me thank you (laughs) and you can get past the the hatred not hatred but more like the anger the frustration and you can find friendship you can find common ground like you said right because I mean because it's just it's possible isn't it yeah, like my mom says this a lot. She says a lotus grows out of a very muddy water. So just because does, like yeah. just because the muddy water is like this hatred doesn't mean you can't have something nice that not necessarily blossoms off it, but it grows out that of grows it. out of it. And I feel like girls need to support other girls because you just yeah. you just need to. <laughs> you just need well, to. they often say that's one of the things that holds back like the female race is that like there's just this recurring issue of like sometimes girls are like oh you know there'll be an issue like oh girl power but when it cuts down to it it'll be like oh why are you doing better than me and it it can become really nasty and competitive yeah and i mean competition's not bad per se but and but the thing which reminds me of high school is just how girls refuse to forget things yeah, we hold grudges for very long. Yeah, and I think <laughs> that's what holds us back. Is I just don't know if that's just a girl thing, though, because I often say, I forgive, but don't forget. <laughs> so, <laughs> we'll move past this, but in three years' time, I will be bringing this one up again. <laughs> so, I'm, I, that might just be a, a me thing. <laughs> no, <laughs> but maybe it's just the girls I was with in high school, but it is just the thing of supporting each other in your in your strong points and your weak points and not pulling back when somebody has just gone past you, I guess. And I mean, it takes a strong person to do that. It takes a strong person to feel pride for a friend who's succeeding more than you and you are not, for example. And, you know, it sucks, right? You're like, oh, why am I not doing or why am I not at this position? But to find that in you, that strength in you to support your friend, I think is really important. And that's what we're seeing in this book, right? We're seeing Lysandra and Aileen helping each other and we're seeing them step past this negative history that they have and say, you know what, forget it. If we can benefit each other and benefit each other's lives, then why don't we? I also think that the, the difference, as far as how I see it, between like guys and girls in this sort of situation is that a guy would tend to, I think, see it more as competition. Mm-hmm. So they, and that would then like motivate them yeah. maybe to go and be like, instead of trying to tear that person down, they'd be like, um, I should be doing better than them. Yeah. And then we'll, they'll just try or whatever, just work to try to get better than them. Whether they, like, I think it's all kind of nastiness. It's just yeah. different because the yeah. guys one is, they're just fueling that into motivation. And there are a lot, I'm not just saying it's exclusive to guys, <laughs> yeah, obviously, by the some very successful women who, I mean, a lot of people who do that. But I think the stereotype, yes. which is yeah. ultimately, I think, what we're trying, what books like this are able to change are those stereotypes and here you're showing two women like I guess supporting each other yeah. and trying to give each other the leg up so that they both reach the top exactly and I agree with that because seeing them like talk to each other about when they literally hated each other like a couple of years back is such a nice thing to see and I feel like stuff like this happens in like school basically like you meet people and you get along with them but then you don't and you i feel like it's hard to get over that but if you do you're like a really good person because it's hard it's hard to see other people 
grow more than you are but still support them at the same time it's really hard to do as a person but what i find interesting and this highlights it again because we're speaking about this in the last episode is about aileen um although she wasn't alien when we were talking about it um, and Rowan and again that was like a friendship which started off quite like abrasive (laughs) and like alien wasn't particularly willing at that time to to, you know to be friends and it was a little bit like who are you yeah like who do you think you are (laughs) exactly here this relationship obviously started in that way because they were enemies and they you know they saw each other as like competitors against each other (laughs) and now again it's like this opportunity to turn it around yeah and it just shows i mean as corny as this sound that you can have second chances at friendship and i can i relate to this because i remember being friends with somebody back in high school and then just falling out of contact with them just because of misunderstandings that happened in the last year of my high school uh, of when i was there in that school and then just meeting again and just saying you know what we've gone past that we've got we've done you know sixth form and a degree you know let's just be a bit more mature and just have a catch up and now that person is one of my best friends so i just think even if your relationship as or friendship starts off on a shaky footing it is possible to you know make that bond really strong if you get past whatever the negativity was i guess like a lot of like things that happened in like for example like in high school and stuff that when like your friendship sort of gets thrown off balance it doesn't mean like it can't come back again and not a lot of people realize this people think that oh we we stopped talking we can't just become friends now and i feel like just stop talking again (laughs) yeah i feel like this shows this really well because they like didn't talk for such a long period of time and then they realized oh like we don't need to be enemies all of the time like Mm -hmm. we have a lot in common and it can help us both in separate ways and yeah and it's important to see something like that because sometimes you just you forget right that oh just because you've not had communication with somebody for a while doesn't mean you can't open up those communication channels again i guess (laughs) but it's just important to show girls supporting girls especially just because it then allows readers to then start thinking about that in their own life and which i think is really nice it's like we're talking about i think in the first episode about having strong female characters Mm -hmm. which is throughout this series um and now 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 in book four aelin has risen up to that challenge yeah and definitely i know at the beginning we were like a little bit unsure about what sort of character this was we had a whole discussion about whether she's our hero or not um and now she's like risen into that character which we're all kind of rooting for yeah for Um, sure yeah especially in this book and then in this book however then we see her working with arabin hamill and i see with them look at your face i wish you guys could see her face so arabin hamill is the the head of the assassin's guild so he is the one who trained her you know and he made her her his heir almost and he trained her in all the arts of assassinating i guess and can i just there's two quotes two of my favourite quotes which I wanted to ask you about so um, the end justifying the means and the enemy of my enemy is my friend I particularly like the latter one although I don't feel like I necessarily always adopt them into my own life Um, but they're obviously very famous sayings yes Um, but do you think they knowing the history behind their relationship do you think 
that either of those sayings, the ends justify the means and the enemy of my enemy is my friend, justifies Island working with Arabin Hamel in this book. I feel like Arabin Hamel is, she's working with him because he's done so much to her. I think like, I don't really agree with her doing this, <laughs> but um, I feel like the reason she's working with him is to get back at what he's done. So he can like finally see her as who she is and not as some like puny like assassin. So do you think it justifies her working with him? Go on, yes or no, let me know. The enemy, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. That does justify the reason why mm-hmm. she's working with him because they both have something in common. Like it's an enemy, mm-hmm. and but I still don't agree with it because oh I do. She's taken away. <laughs> he's taken away so much from her, and it's just like yeah, exactly. And so if she gets the chance to you know almost like use him to achieve her aims, why not? The end justifies the means is one of my favorite quotes as well. And I remember, I don't know when I heard it, but it was years and years ago. And I was like, you know what? This makes so much sense. And it's just, it, it's the perfect way to describe her. What she's doing right now is not, you know, it's not pretty in the sense that it's not the nicest way of her achieving her aim. And it's something that's going to tear a lot of the readers apart. A lot of them, just like us, we were literally arguing on the train about how she should be working. And that's what I was saying with Arabin. And you, you were like, she shouldn't be. And I think it does justify what she is doing, you know? It justifies completely the fact that she, like you said, has a common enemy. And if she can work with this guy who is the reason she is what she is, and then, you know, make use of this person, then... The dumpties that she feels coming. Yeah, she is. (laughs) But, like, what if he just hurts her more? Like, what if he just betrays her, even, like, to, like some massive extent and like hurts someone she cares about what are you gonna do then but she knows that don't you think she doesn't know that yeah but don't, she... don't forget how crafty Aylin yeah. has had to be she's been through a lot in the past four books alone like <laughs> not including everything before that and you know her upbringing and being a trained assassin and and growing up so young I think you have to you know think ahead yeah you have to give her the benefit of the doubt. She's really, really clever. And she knows this guy. He's trained her. She knows literally everything about him that she needs to know to work with him. She knows almost how he's going to react to the things she's going to do. And she is clever enough to use that to her advantage. So you may not like the fact that she's working with him and you'd probably rather she never sees him again. But in my opinion, it's the cleverest thing she does in this book. To work with them. I'll agree that it's clever, but I feel like if he's trained her mm-hmm. and if he knows practically everything about her, doesn't that make her more of like, even though, like, okay, I understand she's strong and everything, but he knows like what will hurt her and her weaknesses and the people who are her weaknesses or who were her weaknesses. So don't you think that that makes it like even a tiny percent bit more vulnerable to loss? Don't forget that she's just come back from training with Rowan. So he knew her as Selena, but she's come back as Aileen. She's come back as a person who's almost merged into uh, a person with both the qualities from both those people, as in with her craftiness from Selena and her training from Rowan so she's come back as somebody who's a lot more different than who she was when she left in when she was 18 
And so she knows what he did. She knows his schemes and little traps and she knows how to work around all those things and how to get what she wants. And even if it's not the nicest thing in the world, it's brilliant that she's working with him. I don't agree that. That's, that's <laughs> completely, completely fine. And you talked about weaknesses, right? You said yeah. about how he knows about all of our weaknesses. But sometimes, right, our weaknesses can become our greatest strengths. For example, we meet a lead in this book, right? When we see the chapters with the witches. And for those who don't know, a lead is a new character who we learn a lot more about in this book. Yep, we do. And so I want to know, in your opinion, you know, how has a lead used what others perceive and think of as her weakness to her advantage? Well, I feel like when you first meet someone, like as a lead met like her fellow like comrades and stuff, when you first meet someone, you could sort of alter yourself so that like if she like thinks of something if she makes them think that something of hers is a weakness but it actually isn't that can be used as a strength because mm. she could make them perceive her as something else that she actually isn't so like sort of like put a mask on oh i think but i think also sorry no, i think Island's the master of putting a mask on yes um, and that's that's kind of like i guess manipulating people and going it's a thing in like sports when you at first pretend you're really bad yeah so that people bet really like a lot of money because it seems like an obvious result and then you're actually amazing and you cheat everybody out of their money this is i'm I'm gonna tell you guys this this is what we watch cricket a lot right and because it's it's an indian thing watching cricket this is what india does they lose every single test series leading up to the world cup and then just win the world cup and so you 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 see them lose all these matches and you're like, why are we going to support them? They're not going to win. And then they win. So it's this little <laughs> mind games and manipulations that they have of making others think of them as slightly weak. And then that thing Sarah becomes... I think Mass was thinking about the injury. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think she was. No, but with, with Elite, I think her weakness... Well, one of the things is her injured leg Let's slash go. foot. And it's a physical thing. And when she walks, she walks with a limp and we, she walks, as you see in the book, she walks with the head down and she's almost hunched over. And so she's trying to, you know, almost blend in to the shadows. And that comes through as a weakness, which later you can see does become her strength because it makes her unassuming and others start to not overlook her. What's the word? They, um, underestimate. Thank you. Underestimate her. And I think that is one of her major strengths as you'll see in this book and in the next that she isn't as weak and fragile as she seems and that's really that's really interesting it's like everything is not what it seems <laughs> and that sounds like wizards of waverly place yeah. but um which I, is a fantastic television yes program. it is memories <laughs> and um i feel like she's She's becoming so like ordinary that people just overlook her, so they don't realize because they haven't seen her like fight or like done anything, like do anything. Like Island does, for example, and that's who you compare her to, don't you? You every female character you meet, you compare them to Island, who of course has gone through extraordinary circumstances to become who she has. But with someone like Elide, who then, for example, she also has a stutter, which when she meets Manon makes Manon think of her as just not 
important in a way, which obviously isn't true as we find out later on. And so all those things put together, she presents this sort of facade that I'm not important, just you can forget just about forget me, just about leave me, like... me alone. And then people become comfortable enough to ignore her that they talk about things or do things in front of her that she then picks up on because you do learn about her and she, she I don't want to say scheming in a malicious way but she's scheming in a way that she just she just wants to survive I guess yeah people don't realize what she can actually do and like if this has happened it's like a frequent thing in a lot of books that when a character becomes really and seeming people just tend to talk about things maybe not even in front of her just near them and it becomes like then they see that oh we've told like someone else a really deep secret and then she's heard but they don't really notice her until later until when later. she comes back badass and all yeah yeah i think like we're looking at um elite in particular mm-hmm. um th- there's like this use of well, in our notes, what we wrote down here is what others perceive to be a weakness. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like almost having a... Um, it, remi- it reminds me, like, this is really different, but of, like, a Clark Kent. It's so unsuspecting. <laughs> yeah. And just hiding like, things and, I guess, turning around people's expectations of you. Yeah. Which um, I think... I don't know. I think that's really interesting because you see that in quite a lot of books. Where it's always, and people say it's always the ones you don't assume. Yeah. It's always the like, quiet ones. It's always it's the, the quiet, quiet ones. ones. <laughs> you have like, you know, uh, the power to do something or, uh, and I think it's a really good example in general and looking at just like society about the actual power that every individual has. Mm-hmm. And it's different for some people depending on like what platform you have to talk about things or the sort of people you have around you. But everybody has the ability to make a big impact. It's just, that's what I got from this is about um, like on quite a big picture perspective. It's about how you use what you've got to be a power rather than a weakness. Yeah, like as you said, like it's always the quiet ones. Like, one of my friends is actually a really good example of that. Like, when I first met her, she wouldn't say anything in class, and she was really quiet. And then you sort of, like, get to know her, and you realise that she's not as, like... Innocent. Yeah. <laughs> and unassuming, innocent. as you see. Like, because I no, didn't... Just... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she's not as innocent as you think. And it was quite surprising, actually. I was really surprised, because I did, like, a martial arts class with her. And she's, like very strong and it was so surprising because i'm just sitting here just like your worldview wow. shaken <laughs> yeah no but it does yeah it comes back to like what you said james about everyone having the chance to make a change and with her she's using this in a way that doesn't you know that everyone doesn't go through and everyone doesn't understand more 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 so and that just that kind of is what we're learning about her is that she's clever and crafty and we can't you know it'll be interesting to see how people react to Mm -hmm. her craftiness yeah and talking about craftiness back to island so we meet dorian again but he is possessed by a vow not really dorian yeah he's not really dorian for those who don't know what a vow is what's a vow it's like sort of a demon type thing it's like it's it's basically a demon it can possess people and it can act as its own form and it has like an entire army who has an entire army and it's it's like 
sort of the dark presence, I would yeah. call it. And so one of them is in Dorian, so he's taken over Dorian's body and he acts like Dorian. And when Eileen sees that and meets him, she's obviously shocked. And so I want to know, Fadant, if you were in her shoes, would you try to kill the Valg possessed Dorian? Yeah. Because, <laughs> okay. Yeah, well, because killing the Valg possessed Dorian means killing Dorian. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like because they know about the Valg and they know how dangerous they can be, and they know that like if you, if you truly, because she truly knows who Dorian is, she's seen him, and now she sees him as this demon type like the Valk and she knows that there's nothing of Dorian left mm-hmm. well practically nothing of Dorian left but but you can get the Valk out of the Dorian <laughs> yes yeah but I you think... say you don't want to try <laughs> <laughs> no I feel like because it's like this is one of the bigger demons the higher up demons it would be harder and she feels like because she knows Dorian I think she feels like Dorian would have wanted her to I didn't know you hated Dorian that much. No, Dorian's, Dorian's amazing. It's always the quiet ones. <laughs> it is always the quiet ones. I think it's, a, it's, of course, a tough decision. She's become friends with him. She meets him in the first book. And she starts to get to know him. And she's gone through different experiences with him. And so it's a decision that makes you think. Because you don't... If there is a chance, even if there is the slightest chance, right... 0.01% okay wait that's too small 0.1% of a chance to get the Valg out and to get Dorian back then if I was Eileen I would try for sure to tr- get him back because we know that she's not cared for many people and for her to lose another person after she's lost Nehemia would in would shatter her I think and yeah. so would I want to kill him no would I try to kill him if I have tried or exhausted all the methods to try and get the valve out, then perhaps, and if that's the last resort, then maybe. But well, we've got some messages from fans about this book. Yes. Um, but before we get to those messages that people have sent in, Lakika, you've got a message. Yeah, guys. So the latest book from the Throne of Glass series, which, as we all know, is called Kingdom of Ash, is out on the 23rd of October. So in just a few days, which is insane. It is the unforgettable conclusion to this series by the best-selling author, Sarah J. Mass. So make sure you guys visit sarahjmass.com for all the details and to pre-order the book. Fantastic. Should we get some listener messages? Yes, yes. please. This one's from Isabella, a different Isabella to the one we had uh, on the Era of Fire episode. Uh, let's see what Isabella's got to say about Queen of Shadows. Hi, I'm Bella from the US, and my favorite Throne of Glass book is Queen of Shadows, um, because it feels like each of the first three books were each a different part of the story, and then in the fourth one, it's like they all kind of just come together, and the storyline explodes, and it's so great, and all the characters are there in the thick of things. Um, It really makes for beautiful character and relationship development. Um, Yeah, it's just, I love it. And I was wondering, and my question is kind of about the whole series together, Um, but Sarah J Moss almost never stays with the first love interest that she gives a character, which is uncommon in my experience with YA literature. And I like it a lot because it's more reflective of real life, I think. Um, I was just thinking what you guys thought about this, and 
um, if you think any of the possible love interests from the fourth and fifth books will end up together. Firstly, thank you very much, Isabella, for that message. Yes. And I agree, like, you know, I hadn't really thought about it that way, but this book definitely represents, like, the coming together of a lot of storylines. And almost, like, obviously we don't know what's going to happen in Kingdom of Ash yet, but Mm -hmm. almost feels like a bit of a preparation for the second half of the series, basically, where um, things are, we're going to tie up some loose ends, maybe. Or maybe not. I mean, it's, I feel like it'd be quite a Sarah J Mass thing to leave this on a massive cliffhanger. Oh my God, Ready? no, please. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've been I waiting. Yes, yeah, I will distressed. wait. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like I said, she's never waited for a book no. before. When she rewrote Harry Potter, all of them were released already. Shadow I remember, Hunters. I remember queuing for Harry Potter in, in for every single book except the first two. I think that my parents bought for me, and so it's an interesting thing to see her squirm and wait for the next <laughs> book. <laughs> Did you actually queue up late at night for each book? Yeah, every single book I queued up, and every like single yeah, yeah, and every single movie I watched first showing. <laughs> Why? And I have every single ticket stub for all of them still. Well, you do know that if you just gave yourself a good night's sleep, you could have woken up at, you know, eight, nine o'clock in the morning, like, walked down to the break, yeah. smack and put yourself a coffee. <laughs> yeah, you I know. You were stocking a lot of them. I know, but it's just, I, I don't know what series it was, but I didn't get the book as quickly as I could have, and somebody ruined it for me, and then I never finished the series. I think that was the whole bit for you. Maybe it was. Maybe it was. I don't know, but... Wow. Well, um, let's talk about uh, what Isabella actually <laughs> yes, said. Yes, exactly. Um, and for Dante, what are your thoughts? Well, I agree with you. Like, this is the book where everybody comes together and where, like, some characters that we've had, like, separate storylines, they meet. And I feel like that's so, like, interesting to see because you see how they're going to react to each other because you've gained information on these two separate personalities and then you see how, like what they think of each other, what they think of each other's background, are they friends, are they enemies? Yeah, and this is why this book is 600 plus pages, because it's absolutely everybody in it, and that's why it's more, it's really, really, it's a really interesting book. Coming to what you said on the relationship aspect, it is really interesting that, you know, she's currently not with her first love interest, and you, like you said, it is quite, it is what, reality is you know almost almost like i guess that not everyone stays with their high school sweethearts you know you do meet other people and it's nice to see that in the book and it's nice to see realize real life more like reflected in the book and to see aelin as she's growing as a person as she changes from selena to aelin she meets different people who would be more fitting for her and it's nice to see that growth isn't it yeah it's nice to see her like realize that this person's like not meant for me stuff like that and rather than just accepting the first yeah, person like, oh, yeah. Her. yeah and we forget right she is really young right she's yeah, got she, she a long life to live so she has the chance to meet many more people and as you evolve you know your life aspirations for example change, change. the things you want change and so the people you want to be with or the, the things you want in the person you want to be with changes right and so it's nice to see her changing and her people changing and not her people changing but yeah the fact that she's taking into account these changes before you know meeting other people well let's go to another message then from joanne peng who sent in this message about queen of shadows 
Hi, my name is Joanne. I'm from Hong Kong, but I'm currently staying and studying in Los Angeles. And my favorite Throne of Glass book is definitely Queen of Shadows. In Queen of Shadows, you will get to see perspectives from different people that you won't expect, whether it is a new character introduced, old characters that don't play a significant role in the previous books. And something that I did not see coming in the book is definitely when Aelin and Manon from Airfire cross paths and how they interacted as well as the final battle and how the mysteries and other things were solved within Aelin's um, time during Adlan and just the final ending it was really settling and it was really satisfying and I just want to include this quote she was a whirling cloud of death a queen of shadows and these men will already carry on and my question is for the character Caltain Rompier who plays such a significant role in queen of shadows despite her little appearances would you like to see her in book five even though she does not make an appearance in book five thank you so much and that is your university yeah. challenge question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I think first of all, you've you covered a lot of things, and I, and I agree with what you're saying about Caltain. Is she is a really, really interesting character. By the way, for those who don't remember, we first meet Caltain in the Tone of Glass, the first book, where she was an annoying courtier pursuing Dorian, but then her story took a darker turn as she ends up in jail. But we don't really hear much from her until this book again, where she suddenly plays a really important part in the storyline. But coming to what you said about Manon and Selena Island meeting, like I said in the previous podcast, I was so excited about that, right? Two of my favourite characters meeting and it was an insane meetup. And it's just so interesting to see all these characters who we're learning about slightly separately coming together and we're meeting them and we're seeing how they're reacting to each other. Because you know when you read books and you meet different characters you start to build up in your own scenarios. head scenarios or what would happen or what's going to happen or how they're going to react when they meet so to see what sarah j mass thought was manon and aliens meeting going to be like and it kind of was what i was gonna what i imagined anyway was actually really really interesting no yeah and i i agree i would like to see more of campaign mm. in the book because i feel like even though she like had a few minor roles those had like such big impacts on outcomes of like a lot of decisions and even though she was i guess we kind of like forgot about her during mm, like all of did. these big events happening like her meeting rowan and her meeting manon and etc but i feel like she would have like if she was going to be in this book she would have a really big impact because despite her the fact that she did bad things in a previous books i feel like she could be a good person. Just like, just like Aileen, isn't it? That she's done not the best things in the past and that Caltain, remember we talked about how she was wronged and how her- Manipulated. Manipulate, yeah, and how she was manipulated. And it would be interesting to see where she's gone, you know, how her life has changed since book one and how she's, has it improved, has it worsened? And so having Caltain come up again would be a good it would be a good additional character in this mix let's go to another message then this one is from kira hughes hello i'm kira from london and my favorite book in the throne of glass series is queen of shadows not only because of the amazing story it continues to tell but also the character development when there's a book that has such obvious squad goals and a long line of characters i think it's sometimes sad to see certain characters get swept under the rug or lost in the story but this book really doesn't do that 
So, squad goals. Mm-hmm. Yes. But we've not really spoken about that much, very much. We've kind of looked at every character a little bit individually yes. on this podcast so far. Um, but there's definite, like, you know, as she said, squad goals. I can't think of better words uh, <laughs> exactly. to, to say. Uh, and some, like, real proper, like, team bonding happening yeah. at this point in the yeah. book. Eileen's building up her, building up a crew, building up yeah. her an crew, army. an really? army indeed. And so you see, you start to see, so we know she went with her friendship with Rowan, that Rowan's on her side. And we start to meet other ca- characters who possibly could be on her side. And this book explores more of the reasons why they're with her or not with her. So Lysandra, for example, Aiden, and then um, Manon as well. We see their meeting. Like- and so you start to see almost... You know, if she is going to go up against whoever she's going to go up against, who is on her side and the different qualities they possess that make them squad girls, basically. Talking, like, I feel like her and, like, her squad, basically, this book sort of explores about how much they can trust each other in what they're doing because, like, of course, the the battle that happens, they have to, like, trust each other with their lives, essentially, because they're fighting against such a big thing and you can't really have any like secrets at this point because a secret could cost you your life. Mm. So I feel like it, like this book concentrates on her and how she trusts her like Rowan and her family members and her teammates, even if it's a person she's only met like a couple of months ago, to see how their relationship with her like close people affects their squad. Mm. I find that really interesting to see in the progress of this book. Yeah, well, I think it's... And this is, again, I think there's so many things about the Throne of Glass series in its entirety, and a lot of them have actually kind of spoken about in this podcast that Sarah J Mass has done, which makes it feel like more like real life. Like, it's grounded in yes. some things that, you know, it's essentially grounded in reality and lifts off from that. Um, and in the real world, different parts of real life do interact with each other and interfere. But I do feel like in a lot of books, you know, you ha- they have like their home life and nobody knows their parents. So you go. Yeah. But this, there is, you're at right, this squad and, and there's different people now starting to interact more. And that's also kind of what Kira was getting at and some of the other messages too, um, that there's more interaction between the characters and I, I think we all hope that as the series goes on, you're going to start seeing how these different characters who have kind of existed a bit separately previously mm-hmm. interact a bit when they yeah. get together. Uh, let's go to one more message then from Alexandra uh, here. Hello, my name is Alexandra and I am from Thessaloniki, from Greece. My favourite book from the Throne of Glass series is Queen of Shadows because we have this meeting between Elin and Rowan and also this very emotional and touching scene on Sam's grave. Just in case you don't know yet, Sam was Eileen's first love who was betrayed by Arabin Hamel and was murdered. At the same time, we have this amazing and huge fight between Elin and Manon. But I was wondering what can happen on Kingdom of Us because we don't see again after Queen of Shadows, Manon and Elin interacted too much and we can't count that scene in uh, Empire of Storms. So what could happen in Kingdom of Us concerning Manon and Elin? Well, that, what's really interesting actually, before we answer directly, is how 
basically all of the messages have spoken about different parts of the book (laughs) and how like it feels like we've touched on such a little bit of it in quite a lot of detail and uh, I'm loving these messages though. Yeah and I do think that um, Aileen and Manon they have they only interact in this book for like proper like purposes such as like fighting mainly like no I'm not saying they're fighting with each other like they're fighting with other people and they don't really like talk about put more personal things like like they don't no, they have more of like a working relationship and i do think that in the next book it would be interesting to see how they would like become friends maybe even like best friends <laughs> you have yeah, high <laughs> you have uh, high aspirations i think and I like I said, I love both these characters. I think Island and Manon are so similar yet different, right? Which is a theme that we've talked about. But I think perhaps what we see now of them interacting and getting things done with each other, but not being the best of friends, I think that's probably the extent it will go to. Only because they have different worldviews and which is amazing, at, of course, and it will just be really interesting to see in the in Kingdom of Ash how, if you like you said they become friends or if they achieve their aim and that's just the cordial relationship they'll have and if because it, maybe it might not go past it and it's just these two strong, strong women and it's probably not easy for them to sacrifice and you know get open up and become closer with each other like you're saying so in my opinion it's not gonna go further than what it is now right now like you said a working relationship but don't opposites attract so mm. maybe they'll find some sort of common ground maybe they might yeah. just I'm not saying there's no common ground I'm just saying friends. with the way we've learned or read about them I don't think there's anything that's gonna make either of them vulnerable enough to open up to the other but I guess we'll have to wait till October 23rd to see but Mm. Well, what an amazing way to end this episode, which has been like a heavy episode mm-hmm. yeah. of the podcast. I've got one more thing for you guys yes. before we finish off. Um, I feel like we've kind of spoken about what's going to, what you guys want to see in the next book. So we're just going to end off with our game, name a word. Yep. So, um, <laughs> so Lakika and yeah. Dante, I both of you need to pick one word each that sums up how you feel about the book. And we've done Vedanti first a couple of times. Yeah. So we're going to go for Lakika first. <laughs> I think my word is, it's a jam-packed book. I've done one of the hyphenated words. It's like, I don't know any one word in words. So let's do jam-packed. Yeah, jam-packed. Because first of all, 600 plus pages means we learn so much about so many different people. And so many personalities collide in this book. We get to see different interactions between people who haven't met before. And it just leaves us anticipating more in time for the next book. And then the the last one, uh, Kingdom of Ash. So I think jam-packed is the best way to describe this book, in my opinion. Uh, my word is overwhelmed, but in a good way. Because there's so much stuff going on and you should like take time to process what's happening because there's so many characters who are coming together and you need to like think of their background and what they've been through to come here and how like you think they're going to react are they going to be best friends or they're going to be enemies but i feel like it's a good book because it has like a lot of 
content. Yeah, it starts to bring together the threads of the previous yeah. couple of books, which in turn makes the next two books really fascinating. Well, there we go. We've got two books left of the series. Oh, wow. Mad. And uh, four days until Kingdom of Ash comes yes. out. Yes, cannot wait for that. Well, we'll be back with a brand new episode next week where we'll be talking about Empire of Storms. Yes. And then, um, then we're going to have a whole prediction episode about what you guys want to see in Kingdom of Ash. So, yes. we'll see you then. Bye. Bye.